As we mature into our adult selves, there are many components that make us who we are, but there are always pieces missing from the story. We're here to fill in the blanks. Welcome to Fill in the Blank Podcast. I'm your host, John Green. So I have a question that's directed mostly at the fellas that might be listening. You ever ask yourself, why is it that when you come in contact with another man, whether it's just in passing or whatever, you may be at the mall, at the grocery store, just going about your day at work, and it could be people that you see all the time. Why is it that when two men approach one another in passing, it's so difficult for most of us to just say hello in any way, shape or form. It could just be a simple nod, a wave or, you know, a little peace sign like what up anything. Why is it so difficult for us as men to show any type of anything towards one another, especially if we don't know each other? If I don't know you, I can't speak to you. If I do know you, I have to prove my dominance over you. And this brings us to the topic of today's discussion. Toxic masculinity. Now, toxic masculinity is something that has been gaining more attention, albeit not very positive. But with things such as the Me Too movement, the... LGBTQ community being more open with with their lifestyles and people speaking out against it. There are certain stigmas that are placed on men in general, particularly heterosexual men. I myself am a 47-year-old heterosexual male, and I have even myself displayed some characteristics of toxic masculinity. Now, here's a short list of some of those traits, not necessarily pertaining to me, but just in general. Uh, There's rage, dominance, misogyny, homophobia, self-reliance, and the self-reliance in and of itself breeds depression, stress, in extreme cases, substance abuse, And there's also emotional repression where men are, well, boys are taught, you know, boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Men don't show emotion. You know, you don't have to count on anyone else. You know, you're you're a man. You do it on your own. Figure it out. You don't need any help. You're all you got. Nobody's going to give you a handout, which you don't look for a handout, but sometimes help is appreciated. Rage. I went through a period of rage. Even now, I sometimes feel like I have bouts of rage. You know, I've always said that I've had a quick temper. And um, I think a lot of it may stem from things that I've experienced in my childhood. You know, I was raised by my mother and her partner. My, My mother and father were separated from a very young age for me. I have no memory of my father being in the home. 
although he was accessible. I spent weekends and summers with him. But I was raised by my mother and her partner of well over 30 years. And yes, when I say partner, I am referring to a woman. I was raised by a lesbian couple. And I think that that experience taught me so many things that a heterosexual relationship possibly could have, but I have no way of knowing that. I have nothing I have nothing to compare it to. But I learned the value of sacrifice. I learned the value of being there for one another when all odds are against you. So I did learn that. And statistically, I should have turned out gay because... If you were to read the statistics from that time, which was 70s and 80s, homosexuality breeds homosexuality. That was the common thought back then. Even into my adult life, I even in my adult life, I just happened to stumble upon a conversation one day that some some of my coworkers were having. And one of the men was just he was just going going in talking about things such as, you know, they have no business raising a child and that kid will be messed up for the rest of his life. Now, this was someone that I talked to a lot. He used to always tell me how much he loved me as a person, called me one of his sons and talked about how much respect he had for me. So I let him finish and I said, well, what are you guys talking about? And he said, well, we're talking about gays raising children. So I said, oh, okay. Is that really how you feel about me? He said, well, I don't understand what you mean. I said, everything you just said, I'm the person you're talking about because I was raised by a gay couple. And he really had no words. He broke down and cried on the spot. And he said, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I said, well, neither did I. I had no idea that that's really how you felt because it wasn't something that I just brought up in general conversation. I was at a, at a time in my life where it was still fairly difficult for me to talk about, but I'm more comfortable with talking about it now. And it's not because society deems it more acceptable. It's just because I'm more comfortable now with my background. I'm not ashamed to say, yes, I was raised by a lesbian couple And I turned out just fine. My sisters turned out just fine. My brother turned out just fine. We're all just fine. But getting back to the general traits of toxic masculinity, there's dominance. I talked about rage a little bit. Misogyny. A misogynist has no regard for a woman or her emotions or the needs of a woman. And I must admit that I did have a misogynistic attitude At the time that I met my wife, I didn't like having that that mindset and I was looking for a way to put that behind me. So at the time that I met my wife, I was really looking for someone that I could change my life with. And she just she was that person. She taught me how to understand how to communicate with a woman. No one had ever required that from me. So I didn't offer it. I could really care less about how you felt about anything. Um, Your emotions came second. 
maybe even third, depending on what I chose to put before you. My mindset was women were an object to be conquered. It was a conquest. There was not a whole lot of respect from my end when it came to dealing with women. But my wife, through my pursuit of her, she really taught me that a woman deserves more than that. She demanded things from me that I never had to give before. She demanded respect. She demanded time. She demanded that I honor her. And it wasn't that she gave me a list or said, I need you to do do this for me, or this is how I need you to be. It was all in the way she carried herself. And I just knew what she would and would not tolerate. And if I wanted her as much as I said I did, then I would conform to those demands those unspoken demands that she had. Another trait, homophobia. And that's a really tricky one because a lot of times lack of understanding could be misconstrued as homophobia, especially nowadays when you have so many different flavors when it comes to the LGBTQ community, a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and I'm sure there are some others that are in there as well. But we've gotten to a point now where if you see a man wearing a dress, it still catches a side eye, but it's not something that's such an unusual sight nowadays. But at the same time, if you were to call that person sir, you'd have a problem. But the way I look at that is... I understand, and I mean no disrespect to the person or the community at large, but if I don't know how you wish to be addressed and I look at your face and I see a man, it's just instinctive that I would say man or him or sir. You know, not knowing that you prefer to be called she or her or a woman. We hear so much about people especially with this whole Dwayne Wade situation, which I will not get into. The only thing I will say about the Dwayne Wade situation is I applaud him for supporting his child. Whether you feel good, bad, or indifferent about it, I don't care. All I see is a parent supporting their child. Whether society frowns on it, thinks it's wrong, thinks he's crazy, that's neither here nor there. When it comes to those types of situations, They're not hurting me. These people are trying to live their lives in a way that makes them feel comfortable. And whether it's a choice or whether they feel it's genetic, who am I to say? I have relatives that I've known were were homosexual from a very young age. And no one coerced them. It wasn't something that they saw on TV. And it was just something that we knew. It was just instinctive that we knew. And we love them just just the same. Your preference does not deter me from from treating you as a human being. When it comes to the homophobia, by me being raised the way I was in the household that I was raised in, you know, I've I've witnessed a lot of it. I've never been gay. But because it was known that that was the household that I lived in or that was the environment that was in my household, Sometimes it was assumed that I, that I was, 
or it was assumed that I would be. I was around a lot of people growing up. You know, if my family had holiday parties and their friends would come over, that's who was there. It was it was a mix, straight, gay, whatever. These were all our friends. I mean, these were my, my uncles, my aunts, not necessarily by blood, but we were just that close to these people. When it comes to the whole idea of homophobia, I personally don't feel that it applies to me. You know, I, I did go through a phase where I would see two men kiss or two women kiss, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to see that. And, you know, even even if it's a man or woman, I don't necessarily want to see that, especially out in public. I don't care if it's a, a, a gay couple, a trans couple, or, or a heterosexual couple. Some things are just not meant to be done out in public. And, you know, I may give my wife a peck on the cheek or something like that, but I'm not going to slobber down while we're waiting for a cash register at Kroger. You know, just some things you just don't do. No, I'm not going to walk around with my hand in her back pocket, squeezing her behind. No, there there are just some things that are just morally or socially unacceptable. And I don't care who you are, gay couple, straight couple, it doesn't matter. So if that is misconstrued as me being toxic or homophobic, then so be it. But I personally do not feel that way. When it comes to racism, you know, a lot of black people like to say, well, blacks can't be racist because we've been victims of it for so long. You know, I feel like I can't be homophobic because I've been exposed to it for so long. I'm not homosexual, but I've been so close to the lifestyle for so long that how dare I be a person who talks bad about homosexuals when I'd essentially be talking about my own mother. I I just can't do it. And we also, we can go into the culture of today. We have, uh, it seems like the gang culture has really taken the foothold on the youth of today. Well, not necessarily even the youth. Um, There are some in their 20s and even 30s where the gang culture is just widely accepted. You know, everybody wants to be the tough guy. Everybody wants to say, I'm a blood, I'm a crip, I'm folk, I'm BGD, I'm whatever. How is that going to propel you in society and help you to be a productive citizen? You know, you have people wanting to take pictures and, you know, holding up gang signs and half the people don't even know what what that stuff means. You know, you have people saying, you know, I'm blue, I'm red, I'm brown, whatever, and don't even understand the background of that culture, not understanding the origins of how those how those organizations even started and how they became so dominant in society. Now, everybody wants to be a part of something that they don't understand. And it ties into that whole rage and dominance. And they like to use the term now. Well, it's always been a term as long as I can remember. Boys will be boys. No, that's just what boys do. You know, boys are tough. Boys will be dominant. Boys will be aggressive. But you don't necessarily have to. I have the type of personality where my self-confidence can come across as arrogant, which I'm in no way arrogant. At least I I, I hope I'm not. I don't think I am. 
but I'm, I'm sure of my abilities. I'm sure of myself. I'm, I'm confident in myself. And it can come across as aggressive. You know, confidence can be taken as aggression. But I honestly feel that I could be one of the <laughs> one of the coolest people you could know, actually. You know, I'm, I'm always willing to share information. I'm always reading something. I'm always trying to learn something. I'm never stingy with information. So if there's something that I feel that someone can benefit from, if they if they want to know, I'm willing to share that. I mean, that's partly why I do this podcast is because I have thoughts and I just feel that by me expressing my thoughts and, you know, just sharing a little bit of myself with you all, you know, I just might be able to help somebody get through something or I might give somebody a better understanding of their situation. You know, I'm I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist or counselor or anything like that. But sometimes the best therapy for people is to hear someone share their experience. So this whole thing on uh, toxic masculinity, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but, you know, this whole toxic masculinity thing, I, th I think it's uh, manhood blown out of proportion. You know, we have traditional masculine traits, you know, such as devotion to work, um, pride and excellence at sports. You know, that's always been traditionally a male thing, but we have women who are excellent in sports, providing for families. And, you know, that's uh, that's been traditionally a male role. And those aren't characteristics that are considered toxic, but they are traditional male traits. You know, we've gotten to a point now where women have been forced to provide for their families as the sole breadwinners, as the head of household, because this toxic masculinity has taken hold of our community. And when I say our community, I'm speaking mostly about the black community, but I know it's not something that's just isolated to the black community, but I can only speak for what speak from what I know from my own experiences. But we as black men have forced women into a position that was traditionally filled by men. You know, they're becoming heads of households, you know, being the sole providers for their families, you know, having to work sometimes multiple jobs just to make ends meet because as men, we have taken a back seat to our responsibilities. And it saddens me when I see a woman out with children and there's no man around. There may be one at home or he may be at work, but sometimes this might be presumptuous of me, but sometimes you can just tell a single mother. It's it's just something about a woman where you can tell. And I mean, I might again, I might be being presumptuous. I might catch flack for saying that, but this is just my perspective. But if there's a man and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that a woman has to have a man in order to be productive in society or to make it. Women do their thing. My mother did her thing. My sisters, they've done their thing. They're both married now, but before they were married, 
had children, they, they did their thing. They did what they had to do. As men, I just feel like we've, we've let our women down because we're so involved with trying to compete with the next man rather than show him how to get a leg up on society, you know, rather than share knowledge and information and, you know, have some, some sort of camaraderie with your brothers, we'd rather compete against them to say, well, look what I have. You don't have this. I have this kind of car. I have this kind of watch. I work here. I don't have to work. I hustle. I get my grind on. I got stacks. I got racks, whatever. It, none of it means anything. I'm a firm believer that life really is a lot sweeter when you have somebody to share it with. I have a wife whom I adore. I worship the ground she walks on. Some might say I'm whipped. Yep, I sure am. I would do anything for my wife. I have my three daughters. I would do anything for them. I have a son from a previous relationship. That whole situation could be another podcast in and of itself, but I love my son. You know, there's there's certain dynamics within our relationship that I believe are re, are a direct result of things that I experienced with my own father. In church, we like to talk about generational curses. And that's something that I try to stop. You know, I try to break that. But there are certain dynamics within the relationship of my between me and my son that we're still trying to work out. And if you happen to listen to this, son, just know that we, we got some work to do and I'm willing to do that work. But again, I believe that the dynamics of our relationship are a direct result of things that I experienced in my own childhood. You know, I still struggle with some things with the relationship that I have with my father. You know, we're not enemies, but I feel that there are some discussions that he and I need to have. And we will when the time is appropriate. We will have those discussions. But moving forward from there, what can we do as men to, this is taking kind of a turn from toxic masculinity into what we can do for our women. Maybe I should just end it there because I've talked about the traits of toxic masculinity. I've talked about the traits of traditional masculinity and how we have really let our women down on multiple levels. As I prepare to close out, again, this is directed towards the men. Take some time to ask yourself, do you carry some of those toxic traits? Be real with yourself. Do you have some toxic traits that could be counterproductive to your development as a man, no matter how old you are? And if you do find that you have those traits, what can you do to change that? How is it affecting people around you? How is it affecting your family if you have one? Your relationships with other men, your friends, your boys, how does that affect you? You know, how does it affect your interaction with strangers? Fellas, let's just be real with ourselves. Let's stop being so toxic towards each other and for ourselves. And let's do what we can to propel society in the right direction. 
know, just because someone doesn't do things as you would do it, as you would do, it doesn't make them wrong. It makes them different. But isn't it our differences that make us who we are? Those differences help fill in those blanks between you and I. There's separations between people, but it's those differences that help bridge those gaps so that we can be one unified community. No matter what your beliefs are, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your sexual preference is, you're not doing anything to harm me physically, emotionally, financially. We can all build together. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fill in the Blank Podcast. Be sure to click that subscribe button on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts so you can be up to date on all the new episodes as they come out. You can also catch me on my Facebook page at John Green or on my Twitter and Instagram pages at J-O-N underscore J-O-N 365. Talk to you soon.